listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashton Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Match Recap, episode number six for the season, corresponding with round six. Another heartbreaker at a footy for the Hawks, beaten 11-13-79 to 11-10-76 by Adelaide uh, on a very sunny afternoon. It's always sunny, really, at Utah Stadium. One of the great myths of the world is Tasmanian weather, or northern Tasmanian weather, because it looked another gorgeous day down there. I'm joined by my colleagues and friends, Danny Prince. Hello. Ash, great to be with you. And um, yeah, I wish it was under less heartbreaking circumstances. Well... The heartbreak hawks, we're getting used to it. And Darren Levine, hello. Hey, Ash. Yeah, um, I was bemoaning the lack of honourable losses a few weeks ago, and and now we, we just now we can't get enough of them. So uh, be careful what you wish for. We've progressed from thrashings to honourable losses, so maybe the wins will come before too long. Although we'll, we'll discuss if not tonight, then on the spaces, the draw gets a bit harder. Now this is we're at the stage where we thought the hawks might be three and three, but they're one and five, and now. The step up in class about to come, but plenty of good sides, and we'll get to that in the next hour or so, or 58 minutes and 40 seconds, Danny. Um, so the Hawks lost by three points uh, in a game in which they never let Adelaide kick more than two goals in a row. So much went right. Looking at the key stats, the Hawks were beaten 355, 352 in disposals. Inside 50s were 47-53 in Adelaide's favour. Hawthorne went at 75% disposal efficiency and um, 53% efficiency inside 50. Free kicks were 20-19 to 19 in favour of Adelaide. Hawks won the hitouts by seven, lost clearances by seven, uh, which was all stoppage clearances because the centre clearances were 10-10. Adelaide had 11 more contested possessions. Adelaide had six more turnovers than Hawthorne did. Uh, marks inside 50, quite telling. Probably no surprise. 14-7, Adelaide's favour. Um, intercept possession, 67-60, Hawthorne's way. Hawthorne led for 27 minutes and two seconds and held its biggest lead, 13 points, 18 minutes and 37 seconds of the last quarter. It's a bit heartbreaking, really, when you think about the final score. Tackles inside 50 is a good stat. 16-8 uh, in Hawthorne's favour. They had to do something inside 50 to keep it so close. That pressure played a big part in it. Anyway, that was the game. Uh, that, that was the, the stats in a nutshell. Before we get the um, get into the players, just a quick 30-second uh, summation from each you on the game. Danny? I loved our intensity and effort from contest to contest, and I think the application from the team this week was probably the best it's been um, this year in terms of a consistent four-quarter performance. Um they look like they really are missing Mitch Lewis because we turn the ball a lot over, turn the ball over a lot, trying to go through the middle by hands because it looked like we were afraid to kick forward without that target up forward. So um, the quicker Mitch is fit and firing, the the better. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that. But yeah, I thought the the effort and the intent was fantastic all day. And I think the... The tackling pressure, the tackling um, intensity was phenomenal and and probably the best by a long, long way it's been this year. The tackling, I think Hawthorne had like 88 tackles. One started, didn't read out. Um, 
their pressure game was terrific. Daz, thoughts? Yeah, I think it was the most collective tackles for the year between the two sides. And when they flashed up that pressure gauge and it was in the elite section, I think that really spoke to how Hawthorne has turned it around these last two weeks in terms of um, the, the pressure and intensity going up. And, you know, again, as Danny said, it, it really just came down to them, Adelaide having two key forwards that could clunk a mark, um, you know, in, the, in, 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 in at a time of the game where you're just pumping it into the 50 and our inability to to do that and have not have a target man on the other end, but a lot of great signs and um, just some beautiful passages of play where you could see the future. So I'm, I was pretty excited about that game. That a bit more silk as well. I mean, ranking, not just the big players, but guys like ranking close to goal who can make something out of nothing. All right, let's get into the player review. Uh, we do it numerically when I'm the big boss man. So number one is Harry Morrison. He had 18 disposals, nine and nine, six marks, six tackles, 78% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions. He had uh, four score involvements. 270 metres gained, um, Daz. Um, yeah, I mean, Harry's, I think he's an important senior player um, and I, I I don't think he deserves a run in the twos. I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's got to stay on the list just for that seniority. But um, there were too many times, I think, when he was turning over the footy um, and those those mistakes are glaring and, and they were at really bad times too. I think there's one time in the first quarter. Um, so you just kind of have to take the good with the bad with Harry in a similar way to Sam Frost at the moment. Um, he's important there to, to provide leadership and seniority, but he's making some 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 really bad errors at the same time. Five so, turnovers. Five turnovers as well. I'm going to give him a give him a five then. On that basis, um, he would be one who I think would be. I mean, someone's have to make way for Josh Weddle before too long, and he's he's on the up. As you saw him play at uh, Box Hill yesterday, admittedly against tradies and sales reps, which is what the <laughs> VFL. We all very good ones, by the way, but uh, oh, yeah. it's a different standard of footy, different opponents when they're not from the AFL system. But uh, Weddle was great yesterday, and uh, his debut surely is only a few weeks away. And a guy like Harry might be a bit nervous if they're serious about playing Weddle through the midfield, given that they've got 143 defenders already on the list. Um, Danny, John Newcomb, 26 disposals, 11 and 15, eight marks, 10 tackles. From the great man, kicked the point. Eighty-one uh, percent disposal efficiency, um, two turnovers, three intercept possessions, uh, seven score involvements, four hundred eighty-three meters gained. I said the ten tackles, twenty-three centre bounce attempts. So he's a club athlete at this stage. Uh, a pretty good game from Jai today. His ability to stand up and tackle was excellent um, as a, a physical presence in the game where Hawthorne bought the physical heat all day. He was one of the ringleaders. Absolutely. I was watching him and thinking about our conversation with Will Day last week. Um, and what stood out to me was what Will said was that he has that ability to mix it up with the big boys and, and throw his weight around. And he did that when he needed to, but 
G was clean as well, wasn't he, when he was exiting the stoppages, you know, whether it's by hand and finding finding players in a bit of space when space was at a premium uh, today, or whether it was by foot too. I I remember when he first came into the team and look, not that we're thinking too far back, but there was a bit of a knock on his disposal. And I always had the thought that it actually wasn't his disposal. It was his execution or his decision-making behind the disposal. And I think that that's proven to be right because if you have a look at when he actually has, now that he's adapted to the the speed of the game, he hits more targets, far more targets than than he misses. And he's one of our better users of the ball by hand and foot in our team. Um, and I think that's only going to get better. So uh, he gets another eight and, eight and a half out of 10. I think his last two weeks have been phenomenal um, comparatively to his first few weeks, which he was sort of asked to play that hybrid role. Um, last two weeks, he's been able to just go about his work and he's showing why he's one of the best young midfielders in the comp. Yeah, I think he's had a good couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he was one of a few I thought started the season a bit s- slowly, but he's worked his way out of that rut. Now his last two weeks have been excellent, so I don't think it played well against North as well from memory. So he's no, to- but I reckon he's been asked to do those multiple roles, which I reckon for young guys is really hard, especially when you're somebody like Jai who has probably his whole career played. Yeah, in he the was guts. a hit up forward for a while, wasn't he? Correct. And we are, we get, and look, I understand the reason why we ask them and we're getting them to get a bit creative because it's the same with Connor McDonald playing on a half forward flank. You know, they may be midfielders, but they need to be able to play other positions in order to fit into the team. So um, it's good for the long term, but, um, you know, the last two weeks, I think, show Jai's real value. Number four, Jarman Impey, 22 disposals, 14 and eight, seven marks, one tackle, did not score. 77% disposal efficiency. He had eight contested possessions, two turnovers, four intercept possessions, zero goals, his four score involvements, 268 metres gained. Um, I thought Jarman's Impey's dash off halfback, he's he's also come into some pretty good form. He's starting to be a bit of a weapon. Again, for the Hawks, sort of his, his, his run through the back line, he's clearly a, a leader a spiritual leader of the club, of the team. Um, and he's leading by example. He's uh, put together a good burst of form, Daz. My man, Charles. I'm very happy to talk about him because honestly, I think he's in the top top three for our, if if they ran the best of Ferris now, I think he's, he's the top three because he's actually been really consistent this year. He's dashed through the bit, I think it was in the third quarter, just kind of, bursting through the corridor there to McDonald, that wonderful one-two, and then Bruce missed that goal that he should have nailed, um, just epitomizes the run that we get out of um, halfback from Jars. And we haven't seen that in a long time. I think he was carrying an injury last year and just didn't seem like him, his old self. And to be honest, he's, I don't... He's had I'm, his fittest he's been for, he's, fittest he's been for several years. Yeah, and it, it's a credit to him. I think it's, I think it's a credit to... to to Peter Burge and the, and the way that he's working individually with all of these guys. Will Day spoke about it um, sort of indirectly. And, and, and I think Jars is benefiting from whatever new kind of fitness or training um, uh, sort of techniques that they're implementing now. But he's looking like the Jars of old. And we forgot how damaging a player he was before he did his ACL. And I think it's uh, it's been a long road to recovery, but I, I'm just... I'm just wrapped for him that he's thriving because he's just a, a great, 
great guy. And as you said, Ash, a spiritual leader. So, yeah, just um, I'm going to give him an eight. I thought he was terrific. Number five, James Warple, 21 disposals, 12 and nine, one mark, seven tackles, kicked a goal, uh, 66% offensive half. It, it's quite interesting. 12 contested possessions, 100% scoring accuracy, three score involvements, 419 metres gained, eight clearances, two of them were centre clearances, and he had 19 centre bounce attendances. Danny, a bullocking game from Warple. He's found some form. Newcomb's found some form, and next week, Will Day comes back, and we'll get to the other, the, the fourth member of the, of the, the quartet shortly. Um, but Warple, I thought, was pretty good. Yeah, I thought he was solid. Um, not... Not not a four quarter performance by Warps. I thought he was a, a lot quieter after halftime, and the stats sort of play that out. I think he had fourteen to halftime and twenty one for the game. So, um, you know, halved his sort of output after halftime. Um, and maybe that's because he went forward. Maybe that's because they put a bit of work into him. But um, you know, provides the contest every time at the contest. He's he doesn't he doesn't give up. I think you know the the one people look at the one tackle that he missed on Fogarty uh which um the Crows kicked a, a really important goal from um and yeah you got to make those stick but you know he had seven other tackles which I think was fourth in the fourth highest in the team um and you know worked his absolute socks off so um I give him a six and a half out of ten I thought he was better than a pass um but not at sort of some of the levels we've seen him so far this year Number six, James Sicily, 27 disposals, 18 and 9, 11 marks, four tackles, uh, 78% disposal efficiency, uh, 15, uh, fifth, seven contested possessions. Um, he had one contested mark, 661 metres gained, um, 10 rebound 50s. Daz, uh, the captain. Yeah, well, the stat to me was the nine intercept possessions, which I think are the second most on the ground behind, of all people, Sam Frost. But um, Sis, yeah, that was just Sis doing what Sis does best, rebounding the footy, intercepting, getting getting in the right place at the right time. How many times did, was he uh, just come out of nowhere and, and, and take a mark and then get us going again? The 660-metre game, uh, meters gain just shows how much of a weapon he was off half back, and that's just the role that he's got to play. I think he 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 was playing a bit looser today, and what wasn't as um, sort of accountable. I think with with DGB and and Frost kind of taking the big men, so um, that sort of more more roaming role I think suited him really well, and 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 that's when you get the best out of Sis. So um, it's an eight out of ten for me. Another great game. Was he off the ground late? How did that happen? So uh, one of our one of our listeners or uh, one of our followers who was at the ground said um, that he had actually put in a huge chase and took himself off to have a rest, uh, but it was really curious timing because I think they just kicked a goal. There was about two or three minutes the left. Conspiracy then, theorists will have a field day. Yeah, that's right. And then they flash to him and he's sitting on the bench having a chat to Sam Mitchell. And then he goes on, but he goes forward. Well, that yeah. was a smart play for him to go forward to try and win the game. Scrimshaw back in Sicily forward, but take him off with a couple minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, very yeah, interesting. Very interesting timing. Um, 
Ned Reeves. I'm just going to give the keys that one goal. Speak, speaking of very interesting, Ned Reeves. Ned Reeves, one goal. I'm not going to worry about the other stats. A fantastic goal, very opportunistic goal. Um, he has a, he had 100% scoring accuracy. Would you believe? 19 meters gained for the big noodle. Uh, 42 headouts um, from 95 ruck contests, 24 centre bounce attendances. Um, had to go on his own. We'll get to Big Maximus a bit later on. But uh, he pretty much played a lone hand in the ruck for the Hawks once um, Once Lynch went off. Daz? Yeah. Uh, I mean, God, it's hard with Reeves because there were so many times in the last quarter where you just wanted him to play the McAvoy role, get two hands to it and, and clunk a mark and take some time off. And there were... Two occasions that I saw at least where he should have done better, he should, should have taken a mark. It was a half an effort. And his some of his his hit-out work was absolutely sublime. Um, just these deft touches and, you know, he's, he's forming a great bond with, with that midfield unit. You can tell it's just that's the part of the game that's, that's really missing for me, those those down the line marks or those really important marks in the, in, in the, in the final kind of stages of games to, to really take the heat off that I think will, will, will take him to the level that he needs to be. But it was a terrific goal, um, really instinctive. And he actually, it, it, as much as it was instinctive, I think it was premeditated. I think he knew what he wanted to do and he executed it beautifully. So yeah, it was, a, it was, it was, just another game in in his development, and I think he keeps his spot. Which really you couldn't really say a couple of weeks ago. I think he was definitely in the gun uh, for going back to the twos. So, um, and I think he does actually ruck better when he's by himself too. He uh, well, Mitchell did say I think on his Friday presser that I read. I think I read the right act to the ruckman. Told him they needed to lift a bit, and they'd let the they were so poor for big chunks of the start of the season, especially against Geelong. Much better out. His last two weeks have been pretty good. He faded against the Giants, but, uh, and reasonably good today. So he is, get, did you give him a ranking? Did I miss it? I'm going to give him a six. Give him a six. Okay. Sam Frost, 13 disposals. That being 12 and one, seven marks, two tackles, uh, 62% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, two turnovers, uh, 10 intercept possessions. Um, three of his seven marks were contested, 298 metres gained. Um, that was a better frosty game, Danny, with few of the brain farts for which he was renowned, and in particular we saw last week against GWS. Yeah, only one or two of them this week, which was which was nice. And they, uh, I don't think they really came at critical times or had too much of a negative impact. Um, his... I mean, he had 13 disposals and 10 of those came from intercepts. So um, it just tells you his teammates aren't really kicking it to him and for good reason, um, but he's finding a way to get the footy. And that was through some really great positioning. And and the commentators talked about it a little bit that, you know, it, there was there was moments where if he didn't succeed in in taking that mark at that time, Adelaide were, you know, at the back and they were getting a Joe the Goose. Um but he stood up in those moments and he made them count. So um, you can only do what you're asked to do. I thought he was uh, much better this week than he was last week. A lot less chaos in his play. Um, I'll give him a six and a half out of 10. Uh, number nine, Chankwok GF. 
21 being 12 and 9, three marks and a tackle, uh, 62% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions, six turnovers, seven intercept possessions, one goal assist, five score involvements, 461 metres gained, um, six rebound 50s. A mate of mine shot me a text at quarter time saying, I'm worried about CJ. But I thought there was a there was good and bad in the game. I've been a bit concerned about his form as well, but I, I saw some glimpses today that I liked. I thought he had a good game. I really do. And I, I think he is you just expect him to do spectacular things. And I think he's been doing the unnoticed things really well the past few weeks. Just a lot of one percenters, a lot of important touches and spoils that um that really break up their attack so well. How good was There's his a little t- fist act, the little fist of the ball it. that set up a goal, I think, in the second. Yeah, the, the nice little tap backwards, I think it was to was it was it green? Um, I can't can't remember what that was. Five score involvements. So he he was hurting them. Um, and that sublime sort of turn on the on the wing um when he just turned turned Adelaide play inside out and, and got us going again. So I'm I'm not as worried as everyone else is with CJ's form because I think it's the little things that he's he's working his socks off. He's covering a lot of ground and it's just those little little one percenters that he's doing so well at the moment. So just that um, chess mark at the end does. Yeah. Oh God. Thanks, Danny. Sorry. So, Sorry. Talking him a point for that one. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a six and a half for me for CJ. How do you think he's going, Danny? Yeah, uh, I think today was a definitely a step in the right direction. Um, he still sometimes feels like he's playing with a, a slippery footy, even on beautiful conditions. Um, but he he was he was much more proactive. I think he was much, he looked much more confident today uh, in himself. And I think that's the biggest thing with CJ. When he's up, he's up. He's phenomenal. But when he's not, he goes into his shell a bit. And that's when I think he really struggles. Um, so he just needs to believe in himself because he's an AFL footballer. He's a quality AFL footballer when he's up and about. Yeah, the breakout game, I think, is not far away for him. Carl Amoth, number 10 for the Hawks. 22 disposals, 12 and 10. Five marks, uh, five tackles, kicked a goal. 86% disposal efficiency. He had... Um, did not turn the ball over. One intercept possessions. Two go- uh, two goal assists. Four score involvements. Um, he had four hundred fifty meters gained. Um, he had four inside fifties and four rebound fifties. Danny, I think they're starting to work out. I think he's starting to feel more comfortable in the team. I think the team's starting to work out how to best use him. He's looking more and more comfortable in brown and gold by the week. Big fan, big fan. I thought he was um, really impressive today. And I think the most exciting thing was he had 22, but he had eight in the last quarter when it, like the game was on the line and he used it so well in the last quarter when others were struggling to use it well at all. Uh, penetrating low kicks to forward advantage. Uh, like you said, he kicked a goal and had two goal assists. Um, once we've got a forward to kick to, um, he's gonna he's gonna really enjoy uh, playing on a wing on the MCG if we ever get to play there again. Um, I thought he was, <laughs> uh, I thought he was really good. Um, I give him a seven and a half, and um, 
just yeah, I think this these sort of performances doesn't need to be 30, 30 goals, but these are the sort of performances that a show why the Hawks paid for him, and b show why in the long term it's going to be Harry Morrison that drops out of the team and not Carl Amon. Correct. Number eleven is Connor Nash. A disappointing outing for him today. He only had twenty eight. <laughs> Coming off last week's. Career I 31, 28, 11 and 17, one marks, seven tackles. One of those was the greatest tackles you will ever see. He kicked one goal, one. The miss, the point came after that brilliant tackle. The goal was an absolute beauty, snap out of a pack. Um, he had 15 contested possessions. I'm just going to go through line by line. Uh, he had um, four turnovers, four intercept possessions. One goal was his five score involvements. He took uh, just the one mark. It was uncontested. 394 metres gained, 23 pressure acts, um, 103 minutes on the ground, 394 metres gained, seven clearances. Three of them were centre clearances. He had seven tackles, as I said, seven inside 50s, one rebound 50. He had two frees, four, four against, 22 centre bounce attendances. I think it makes him the second highest in the team. Darren, he's playing the best football of his career. He is a bona fide walk-up start. Now, he's bona fide. I'm wondering whether the Cooper Stevens recruitment actually just lifted him further out of, uh, you know, that was the motivator for him, knowing that someone was there gunning for his spot. Um, just a terrific game from him. Will Day did say on the podcast we did with him that uh, – we asked him, of all the players you line up with and said, well, who do you who do you like line up with the most? He said, Connor Nash. He's living up to the hype, guys. Oh, yeah. And when are we going to start talking about I mean, he, he's done it two games in a row now, but keeps doing it. When are we going to start talking about him as a, a sort of above average to elite midfielder? Um, I don't think he... I think he flies under the radar in terms of his impact on um, on games and... I think the AFL and the AFL media is going to start taking notice pretty soon because that's a that's a really complete game again from Nash and his physicality and his you know the 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 20, 20 odd pressure acts. I mean that just you know when, when we're when we're putting pressure on the ball and when there's elite pressure, he's setting the tone. So um, just yeah, I I didn't see it coming this year. I thought he would regress for some reason. Um, I thought with with all of the the pressure coming from some of the recruits and um, just just felt like he was going to drop out of that midfield group. And I don't think Brad even had him in the in the best twenty two at the start of the year. But he's a walk up start, as you said, Ash, and um, just going from strength to strength. I think he feels comfortable at the level now. And the rating? Oh, I'm going to give him an eight and a half. I thought he was brilliant. It's a bit of a shame. And now we've got six days to anticipate this game, and we'll talk more about it on the spaces on Thursday. What a shame we're not going to see him and Tom Libertore butt heads on the. That would have been a brilliant matchup. Those two stand next to each other at the set of bounce for a lot of the game uh, on Saturday would have been fantastic. I mean, we'll talk about this, but it's a huge test for the Hawthorne, even without Liberty, it's a huge test for Hawthorne's midfield coming up. But gee, I would have enjoyed watching those two go at it, Danny. Absolutely. Just guys who just don't know how to take a backward step, you know, lead with their head, 
Um, Nash went into the game taped up, channeling in his, his inner Ben he McAvoy. Just didn't waste time. What's the point, right? Like, just you know, I'm going. I'm leading with my head anyway. And and uh, I mean, honestly, I think um, a good friend it's his of rugby roots coming to the fore. Uh, absolutely. And speaking of rugby, I think our our good mate Damien Barrett said we don't go to the football to watch tackling, and I would go to the football to watch that tackle time and time again that was beautiful and i don't know maybe it's just me maybe it's not but just just made me start thinking about uh ruffy on dan hannabury slightly different but i had the same vibe right um and yeah sign me up for more of that he when he, he he's tack that bloke's still recovering from that tackle yeah it was an absolute thing of beauty dylan moore number 13 um 19 disposals at being five and 14. So five, only five kicks, 14 handballs, four marks, six tackles, 74% defensive half for Dylan Moore today. Um, 53% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions, uh, one turnover. He had uh, four marks, 16 pressure acts, 47 metres gained, two clearances. Um, he had... Four set bouts of tennises, which is Dylan has been doing a lot of that, but uh, had a few today. Um, Danny, he, uh, he and CJ, 12 months ago, he and CJ were regarded as the, sort of the, the next generation stars of Hawthorne, but they're both, uh, they're both battling a little bit through, through the course of this season. Yeah, it was a, it was an almost game from, Dylan Moore. Um, and I, I think he's actually been probably a couple of levels above CJ this year in terms of output without blowing games open like we think and know he can. Um, you know, if it looks a little bit different, if, it, if things bounce his way, he might come out of this game with 20 touches and two goals and we're going, she, like how good is Dylan Moore? Um, but, you know, I think he hit the post once. He narrowly missed another one, um, which which were goals that you would sort of expect him to to nail and has proven he can nail. So um, I think the curious one is the stat you pointed out at the start, Ash, which is five kicks and 14 handballs, not really what we want from Dylan Moore. Um, if that's James Walpole, great. Um, with Dylan Moore and his ability to finish, his ability to hit targets, we want him using the ball by foot. So, um, you know, it's a five and a half out of 10 from Dill. Um, and I look, I think, you know, maybe not so much today, but but what we're seeing is the forward line's just functioning. Um, and I think when Mitch Lewis comes back in, it e eases a lot of pressure on all of these guys that are playing up a, a line or two in terms of, you know, the attention they're getting. Um, and it speaks volumes for guys like Fergus Green and Tyler Brockman, who are still kicking, you know, two or three goals a game. Um, but I think a lot of that pressure gets eased and it gets passed down the line. So let's expect, I expect Dylan Moore to have, a, you know, a real season breakout game in the next couple of weeks once Mitch Lewis is there to relieve a little bit of the pressure. My worry with Moore is, I mean, they've made him vice-captain after 50 games. I mean, he's still establishing his own AFL career. They say that players, you know, you, you reach your, when you get 60 to 80 games into you, then you're starting to sort of get towards, you know, the higher levels of your career. He's been lumped with vice-captaincy when he hasn't reached that level of games yet. I mean, he's off the pack of two very good seasons. I think he's slightly struggling with being the vice-captain and, also still 
try to find his groove, I would be not that I should tell Sam Mitchell how to do his job, but I would be saying to tell I would be saying to uh, Dylan just dial down the, the leadership for a couple of weeks and just go back to looking after yourself and just getting yourself recapture what you did the last couple of years. That's what I would be saying. Don't worry too much about the others. It's all under control. We're going okay with that sort of thing. Um, just go back to being you and have a big one against the dogs this week. That's what I would do. Jack Scrimshaw was the sub. Darren, he had seven disposals, three and four, two goals, kicked a goal. He enjoys kicking a goal, uh, Jack Scrimshaw, and it came at an important stage of the game as well. 86% disposal efficiency. Mainly played forward. Um, you look at his heat map, 29% defensive, 71% offensive. He had to be the forward pretty much once um, once Lynch went off the ground and they pushed Ned Long. We'll talk about that. Like Ned Long became the second ruckman. So uh, 71 metres gained. Uh, we don't talk much about Suds, but he was on for more than half a game. Daz, a, a quick word. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely made an impact and I think it just shows his versatility um, and maybe he will be in the future used as a bit of bit more of a swingman because he he has he's actually quite clinical in front of goal. I can't recall him really ever missing missing his shots on goal or he took he took his chance really well. So I wonder if Scrimshaw is going to if, if the plans for Scrimshaw are going to be more of a, in more of a swingman role. But he he makes an impact in the poise that he had in the last quarter as well. Um, you know, I think there was that bit of play on the wing that 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 set us up for a final attack. Um, it, it's it's really what's missing when he's not in the side. So I hope his injury issues out of the way and he's he's back back at whatever ground Mitch wants him in because he's just such an asset to this team. Blake Hardwick, sixteen six, um, three marks, two tackles. 86% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, uh, three turnovers, six intercept possessions, two score involvements, um, one contested mark, 453 metres gained, um, eight rebound 50s, Danny. Thought Blake was okay today. I um, didn't. I feel like that was a Blake Hardwick game where I didn't realize he'd had 22, 22 touches until I checked the stats post game. Um, mind you, six of them were those play on from kick-ins, uh, which I feel like a sort of relatively hollow stats, but um, you know, even still, I, I thought he did a semi-reasonable job. Um, none of their small forwards really gave us too much trouble when they were resting forward. I think Josh Rochelle actually looked at his best when he was playing through the middle uh, or out on a wing um, and his pace was, was troublesome. And Isaac Rankin didn't do too much other than that incredible goal in the last quarter, which it was just like, somebody please tackle this man. But he just showed you why they, why they paid up, why they ponied up for somebody who plays as a small forward um, because there's not many guys in the league that can do that. Um, so all in all, I thought Hardwick, getting to my point, uh, was was quite good. He was quite solid. I give him a six and a half out of 10. Max Lynch, not a lot to say about him. Got subbed out in the second quarter with a concussion. Had 19 ruck contests. He had nine hit, uh, nine hit outs. Um, not much else to say. Two clearances, three metres gained for those keeping score. Daz, how was he going until he went off? I was going all right. I liked his sort of 
physical presence around the ground and oh it's just you just your heart breaks for him because he finally gets it going he's he's been rewarded for his good form and then and then that happens and concussions are tricky and challenging and it's a bit of a nightmare for him and I suspect he'll miss an extra week at least so at least two weeks um just given his history so feel for him because I think I personally think that it's it's um Reeves and Lynch as our kind of inform rock duo at the moment I think Meek was okay at Box Hill yesterday and um yeah, it's it's a shame because I think that was his spot to, to to really lose now, Lynch, and unfortunately he's going to be out for a couple of weeks at least. The only thing you would say, and it is shitty luck for him, no question, is that for once, Hawthorne supporters watched a game, a ruckman goes off concussion and doesn't think, oh my god, we are screwed next week. At least they have backup, they have depth, they've got four ruckmen on the list, and this is what uh, has it been the case at Hawthorne for a considerable period. So they'll be okay without him. It's a real shame for him that he got concussed. Uh, the coach was non-committal post-game in terms of discussing, basically said they, even before the uh, they did any sort of tests on him, he said, well, he's not taking him off and giving his history, that's it for the day. But you would imagine he'll miss one week compulsor- compulsorily, what's the word, Daz, or the English major, and then probably another week on top of that. The Chad had uh, 22 disposals, six kicks, 10 handballs, Mark, five tackles. Um, he had eight contested possessions. Um, he had three turnovers, one intercept possession, four score involvements, uh, 272 metres gained, three clearances. One of those was a centre clearance. Um which meant, but he, or he didn't have any set of bounce attendances. But um, I thought the Chad really tried to impose himself on the contest today. Well done to him for getting up to play. I think in the in the first place, we were worried after that shock injury last week, he'd be out for a while. But um, he played. He did okay. Um, and yeah, Daz, your is your man. Sorry, yeah. uh, Danny, you're, Danny. I think you're it's your turn. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. No problem. Um... Yeah, I found it hard to put a finger on how I thought Chad played today. Um, like you said, uh, Ash, I, I didn't think he would play. Um, even when they named him, um, even when the team was named today, I didn't think he'd play. I, I, I don't You're know. You're mistaking um, Sam for, for Chris Scott. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That's true. But I, I have heard that the Cats haven't had any late changes yet this year. So that's that's uh, maybe he's turned over a new leaf, Chris Scott. Anyway, um Chad was pretty decent and and look he you just want more from him because you know how classy he is and how he can change a game but I wonder whether that's this false narrative that's now in my head about who Chad was not who Chad is anymore um so you know I'd like to see more scoreboard impact is the first thing I'd say he he needs to kick a goal or two every week if Tyler Brockman can kick a couple and have a goal assist if Fergus Green in like his sixth game of AFL football can kick three two weeks in a row then Chad should be kicking goals too so um you know some of the stuff he did was good um his pressure was good uh 
you know, I like the the chase down tackle um, that he was rewarded with and hurt his shoulder. And I hope that that's not too bad. Uh, but it's a six, it's a six out of ten, and and you kind of want seven and a half and eights from Chad because when he's really good, he's so he's so good and he's so clean and he uses the ball so well. So uh, yeah, hope for a bit more next week. There's Luke Bruce, seven disposals, three kicks, four handballs, one mark, four tackles, two behinds, 43% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. Um, he had four score involvements, 75 metres gained, not a, whole, not a whole lot else to say other than commentators kept talking up what a reliable kick for goal he was, but he missed two today. He's missed a few this year that he probably should have kicked. Had he kicks either of those, they're both gettable by his standards. Uh, who knows what would the result would have been? Yeah, I thought he was terrible today, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And just those those two misses were pretty inexcusable. And um, for a player that's been doing that for so long, to to not it's not that he he missed it; it's to not cap off what was an incredible you know, chain of play from, you know, that I spoke about that moment before, Jars bursting through the middle, handing it off to McDonald, getting it back. Bruce has an open goal, easy goal, kicks them nine out of 10 and he misses. And then he misses another easy one. And if he's not kicking those goals and he just doesn't do enough, um, he's not a pressure forward. That's not his game. He's He's kind of chasing shadows a bit. I I just think he we're just going to get games like that from him, unfortunately, at this stage of his career. Um, so yeah, he's he's got to nail those goals, kicks those two goals. I give him a pass mark, but um, it's a three out of ten, and that's being generous. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Um, now this one's interesting. Denford Granger Barras had three disposals for the day. He had, um, I'm just going through, there's not a lot of numbers in here. Yeah, don't waste too much time. <laughs> I'm not going to, he basically had three touches. Um, and that is about all that. He got eight AFL fantasy points for those who play that. Um, just tell us about his role, Danny, because uh, he did okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't think he was too bad. I mean, like, he is a he he at the moment is a low disposal getting player regardless of whether he's playing VFL or AFL um but who did he stand and the one frustrates watching on TV of course you don't always know who he's standing but I think he had Fogarty for part of it early I think he had Fogarty and I reckon he had Phil Thorpe for a little bit too and I didn't see and I think this is what we need to go off and the coaches obviously have a better uh, view of this than we do but I didn't see him get out get, didn't get beaten in one on one and right now, if we're looking for positives, um, and it's not much, but him not getting beaten in a one-on-one against guys like Fogarty and Silthorpe, who have size and strength on him, is a very good thing. Um, now, we want to see him obviously impact the contest away from the one-on-one contest. We want to see him find the footy. We want to see him start to intercept Mark like we know that he can. And he showed in his junior junior years that he can. But um, I, I thought this was, again, I think the last two games, there's nothing there that says this this guy can't be in the team. And he'll get slapped because people think that he should have 15 touches, six marks, all that sort of thing. 
But as long as he's doing his job defensively, that's a good foundation to set. Uh, I'm going to give him a four and a half out of 10. I can't quite give him a pass on three touches, one mark. But um, I think that it was okay. It was fine. Surely if his opponents don't take the game apart and he's a defender, he gets a pass. All right, he can have a pass, Ash. No, Stand no, no. no, 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 um, no. <laughs> I probably wanted to. I know that people do think I have a Denver Granger Brass bias. Um, maybe it's just wishful optimism on my part. I still think he's going to make it as a key defender. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I did, I did. I think I, I reckon he... his last two weeks. Have, I've, I've got great faith after the last two weeks. That he's no, that's 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 what I, that's what I need. A few more people on this bandwagon. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes this week against uh, Jamara and Norton and Lob and the Land of the Giants. Land there. of the Giants. He's going to need a play. Uh, what's his role going to be? I reckon it's uh, I reckon it's Jamara Hagen this week. Could well be. Um, Brad will have that worked out for us later in the week. We might have to go a bit more into the tactical side of things when we dissect this game. Fergus Green. 10 disposals, six marks, two tackles, three goals. Um, that's really all you probably need to know about it. Um, he had two contested possessions, five uncontested marks, three marks inside 50, um, three one percenters, uh, 161 metres gained. Um, five score involvements. I've written in the rap. My observations will come out sometime tomorrow or whenever it comes out. That with every passing week, we are starting to... The, the pain of losing Jack Gunston is starting to diminish. With every passing week, he is doing better than I thought he would. I thought he'd be an absolute stopgap and just, well, let's just try this guy and hope he can be half decent. But right now, his form has been, and it's been two or three weeks of this now, his form has been as decent as a lot of the form we were getting out of the group. We were getting out of Jake, like great Jack Gunston. And I say there's one, a, a massive Jack Gunston fan, one of my favourite Hawthorne footballers the last decade. Um, and I'll always love him as a footballer. But I'm really happy with Fergus Green. Daz? Oh, I mean, I couldn't be more happy with Fergus Green. And and, and you just you just watched him at VFL level and you you knew actually that he would take the step up. And isn't it so easy for teams to just discard players? Um, you know, it's very rare for a player to, to get delisted, go back to the VFL and then come back on a list and, you know, kick. A, he's kicking three, two or three goals a game. So he's, a, you know, just, just a testament to his hard work. He's in the Jack Gunston mould in so many ways and, you know, he's like a he's 25 years old. So there's there's every chance in the world that he will be part of the 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 next, you know, finals challenging side and, and a really important part of that as well. He's forming a great connection with Amon. Um, and I've noticed you know, Amon's always looking for him. He's making really smart runs into the pocket and he can slot him from anywhere. So uh I I think he's going to have a, a an amazing season. I think he's going to, we're going to get to the end of the year. He'll probably kick more than 30 goals, I'd say. And wouldn't that be terrific? And um, I don't think anyone sort of expect. I, look, I've been a Fergus Green fanboy from day one, but I think 
the fact that he's, he's surpassing my expectations because that step from the VFL to the AFL sometimes is, is quite challenging, but he looks, he looks comfortable at the level. Um, it looks more than comfortable. And a, a rating? Oh, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. I'm on to green is the Pritchard to Dunstall of our time. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> <That's> slightly depressing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but can uh, we it, just talk a, for a second about how good of a bloke Fergus Green is too? Like the Hawks oh, have been yeah. using him on their, on their social oh, media yeah. and my word is he an engaging character. Oh man, I is- can't get enough. The the footage of him and the kids oh um, at Gather Round. Give him a podcast, Hawthorne. Get Come him on, on our podcast, Hawks Insiders. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're gonna we're gonna get him on soon. I think we'll have to talk to the club. What and he did another one on Facebook. I saw a Facebook video with so a, good a KO thing or something like that. So the so boys good. clearly love him, and yeah. the club clearly. But he's one of those that said, "Fergus, do you mind if you just do this?" Yeah, not a problem. What time and where? What do you want me to do? And uh, do you want to camp it up and? Whatever they want, he's clearly. I mean, he knows what a good thing this is that his career's been revived it's, and he's making the most of it. So good on him. It's a shame the Footy Show doesn't exist anymore because oh, he would absolutely. He'd be an absolute star on the Footy Show on oh, Thursday nights. He'd thrive. Uh, Bring it back just for that. He might. Uh, he might score a front bar invitation quite a week or something like that, just quietly because uh, there's a few connections between the front bar and the Hawks. Ned Long, number twenty-seven, Danny uh, nine disposals of one kick eight handball seven tackles he had uh 78% disposal efficiency he had um let's see he had one goal assist three score involvements 45 meters gained two clearances both for stoppage clearances uh four center bounce attendances four ruck contests um he had uh one of those resulted in a hit out he is just the poor bastard is basically just plugging a hole. Last week he was playing full forward against Sam Taylor, all Australian um, key defender Sam Taylor. Today with Ned, go play the ruck um, against Riley O'Brien because we need you there. He's got the big body. He clearly, he's up for whatever the coaches ask him to do. Absolutely, I'm. Look, it's very early, isn't it? Um, I I actually get concerned when we're when we're using young players like this. Um, I understand the need to be flexible. Um, playing as a full forward one week, as a ruckman, secondary ruckman the next week, when you're one ninety four centimeters and a midfielder by trade, I don't think that's great long term for Ned. Um, uh, I think he. First and foremost, he's an absolute competitor um, and he throws himself around and he'll do whatever the team needs him to do. And you need those players on your list. Um, he's a little clunky. He's a little robot, robotic in the way that he sort of moves. Um, he's, he's not a fluid mover. Um, and if, you know, we compare him with Seamus Mitchell, who came in last week with him as well, you know, you can see the AFL attributes a little bit more easily and clearly in Seamus than I think you can in, in Ned Long, but you can't teach that size and you can't teach his endurance. And, um, you know, he tackles everything that moves. So, um, you know, you'd want him to have maybe not two less tackles than possessions, um, but that's not necessarily a knock. Um, it's also, you know, well done getting about it. If you can't find it yourself, um, go and get the guy who did. So um, 
I absolutely respect the fact that he's jumped in and he's chopped out wherever he's needed. Um, I'm going to give him a five because I think the Hawks have thrown him around everywhere. Uh, and for him just to compete, I think has been a fantastic effort, but I'm going to throw it to Daz because uh, I know he's a noted Ned Long fan. Well, I've got one point to make on Ned Long and he wrote, he ran nearly 10 Ks, um, which was by far the most on the ground for that game. So his work rate and and and, and the rest will come. Um, his ability to win the ball, you know, this, the 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 kind of silky skills, etc. Um, I just think that he's just got to keep working, and, and you can't ask for more than that at the moment from Ned. So, big fan. Unfortunately, I think uh, he probably drops back next week with some of the. I mean, I'm not Brad Klebanski, and I'm not um, Sam Mitchell, um, the guys calling the shots, but. Um, you know, I, I struggle to find a spot for him in the team next week if we have sort of, you know, possibly Scrimshaw coming in, Lloyd Meek, Mitch Lewis and Will Day. Uh, he's probably one of the four that drops. Yeah, nothing more certain than um, that Mitch Lewis will play in the seniors next week. If nothing else, just structurally have him in there. Yeah, yeah you, you, know, you won't contribute a lot. He'll be, he might not run out the game, you know, he won't leave Ford 50 all that much, but I think the way Eve Mitchell's talking post-game about what he brings to the side and the, the leadership and what he does on the field, there's absolutely no way known he doesn't play next week. He doesn't, there's no need for him to play box. He'll just straight in Mitch. Pretty out Cam McKenzie, who I made the note, I think on our WhatsApp at some stage, he just a couple of times reminded me of a Sam Mitchell 2003 version of Sam Mitchell, the one, one rising star. Not to say McKenzie's going to win the rising star, but just remind me a couple of things he did. 15 disposals, 5 and 10, 4 tackles, 62% offensive half, 73% disposal efficiency, 6 contested possessions, 3 turnovers, 2 intercept possessions, 1 goal assist, 4 score involvements, um, 151 metres gained, Seven centre bounce attendances. I was thought McKenzie was showing signs of, you know, after John game where he really struggled with the pace of the game. I thought he probably needs to be managed. Um, well, managing was last week when he was, I think the might have been the sub or whatever he was against the Giants. But he was, he was. I, I liked today. I thought one of his, of, I thought today was one of his better games, Darren. I totally agree. I thought he was. I thought he was great today. I think he. He may have sat out the last most of the last quarter, um, so most of those possessions came actually in the in the, in the first three quarters. But you know, I, I, it's it's funny because I think he is flying under the radar a bit in terms of these um, new recruits and you know the Harry Sheasels of the world. Or, yeah, didn't get a touch in the last quarter. Yeah, and I, but I think he spent a lot of time on the bench too. So um, you know, he's 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 got beautiful hands. He just has a lot just game awareness that you can't teach. Um, he's, he was involved in some really good chains of chains of play, quick thinker, very much, you know, can shift his shift onto either side. And you could just see, you can really just see the talent that he's got. He was, he was throwing himself at the at tackles as well. And, and, at, you know, 20 odd pressure acts, which is super impressive. And, you know, to hear, David King on the commentary say stuff like that's not an AFL standard chase. I mean, I, I don't think you say that about a, a a kid that's just brand new into the AFL system. His 
working his socks off. He doesn't have the body to be competing with some of these, you know, seasoned midfielders. And he's, he's, he's has seven centre bounces tendencies. He's not winning easy footy off the half back. I just think that's not a, a showing a lot of respect to to Cam McKenzie's game, and he's he's flying under the radar in those discussions. But he's he's definitely amongst the the top five first year players at the moment. Um, and he's yeah, I, I thought that game was was his best yet. Ranking. Um, I'm going to give him a six. Number thirty one, Con McDonald. 15 disposals, 11 and four, one mark, six tackles, one goal, one, uh, 53% disposal efficiency. Um, he had six contested possessions, five turnovers, four intercept possessions, uh, one goal assist, five score involvements, 195 metres gained. Um, he had two tackles inside 50, um, six tackles all up. Danny. Yeah, it was a, another decent game from, from Connor. Um, other than the fact that he went fairly quiet in the last, he was 14 touches up to three-quarter time and only the one in the last quarter. Um, he's just so creative. Uh, when he gets the ball, he generally uses it really well. He had a, one or two sort of scrubber kicks, but, um, you know, kicked a nice goal. And I, he hasn't been kicking... Uh, goals so far this year. So that's nice. Um, like to see him kick two or three in a game just to really sort of um, stamp himself on a, on a, on a game as a whole. Um, and, you know, we need to be patient because not all of these guys who are gun junior midfielders step in and become midfielders at AFL level straight away. And we just talked about, Daz just summed up the Cam McKenzie situation perfectly. You know, the expectation on him is, is quite high uh, as a top, 10 pick he's come in he's playing in the midfield uh early doors and and competing but it's not the same progression or path for every single um draftee and i think connor mcdonald will end up being a heavy part of our rotation i think it's a little bit like um you know jordan lewis i think early doors played sort of as a half forward flank um and 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 made it worked out a way to use jordan lewis i've been saying this repeatedly He's Jordan. He's tracking the same as Jordan Lewis tracked, but he's got more yeah. tricks, I think, than Jordan Lewis in the forward half. Um, maybe not as good in the air as Jordan Lewis, who was quite good overhead. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Ash. I think um, I think he's more of that sort of. He's not the guy that's going to win all the plaudits externally, um, but internally at Hawthorne, he'll be so 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 highly rated. I think he's a really good player, and I gave him a six and a half out of ten. Uh, just wanted to see him take it. So he had five five four and one disposal breakdown per quarter. You want to see him go five, 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 hit the 20 disposals a game. If we can start to see him in the early twenties, as opposed to the mid teens, I think then he's, that signifies he's finding areas to impact the game more consistently. And I think that that's what we want to see now. He's remarkably consistent. Um, but I, I'm not sure he's had the game yet and he's played what, 20 games, whatever it is now. He's not had that game where he's just been our best player. Correct. He hasn't had the takeover one, right? Yeah, he hasn't taken a, taken a game apart yet, but he's just been remarkably consistent. You just can't imagine them picking a team without finding a spot for him in there somewhere now. So well yep. done to him. Tyler Brockman, number 33. He had 10 disposals, uh, four and six. That, well, two marks, two to, uh, a tackle, kicked two goals, 
80% disposal efficiency. Um, he had 177 metres gained. He had, uh, yeah, that's pretty, most sets of him. Kicked kick two goals. Um, so he's been, I think it's his fourth game back in the side now. He's played three reasonably good games. He struggled against Geelong. It was a bit of a write-off game for him. It must have been a bad night at home. But he is turning, turning back into the player we thought he was in 2021 and sort of forgot about thinking about the side last year, Daz. Um, he is rapidly, if not already, cemented himself as a best 22 player. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, he's, he's impacting the scoreboard, kicking a couple goals every game. I love the, um, the fist pump. That happens yeah. um, in the in the third quarter, where he's yeah <laughs> a bit premature, and um, but it just shows that he's really enjoying his footing. He loves being in this group, and I think there are a lot of doubts, uh, you know, among some of us who thought that he'd be one of the first names heading back to WA. Um, he still might be, but that's good though. I mean, his value, it's this is not a bad outcome for Hawthorne, is it, Danny? Because he plays well. He's becoming a best 23 player for Hawthorne. If he wants to go home at the end of the year, his value is going up with every game. Yes. I feel like we had this conversation in our WhatsApp group about Will Day before he re-signed just quietly. <laughs> um, but uh, it is equally applicable to anybody who's out of contract. If they're looking to leave the football club, you'd rather them be playing well. It stings a bit more that then you're going to lose them, but at least the return on your investment is there. So as an asset, absolutely. I think um, I'll let Daz give his player ranking in a minute. I just wanted to add in, I don't think it's any coincidence that the three games that he's played well have been all interstate. Um, <laughs> good night's sleep the night before. Then he kicks a bag the next day. Also had the goal assist. He could have easily kicked that goal that he gave early to Fergus Green, uh, which was one of our best um, passages of play. But, you know, don't underestimate a good night of sleep before you play a game of footy. The one game, the one game he didn't get that against the Cats. And, uh, I mean, the whole team was asleep at the wheel that day, weren't they? Danny, you're talking to two parents of twins here on this podcast, so we know more than anyone how Tyler Brockman feels uh, every single day that he's he's at home. I feel. So, I think I've got <laughs> a kid in my bed already, and it's yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, Bro I mean, I, I'd like to see Brocky putting a bit more pressure on. Um, I think he only had four pressure acts for the game, which. He, he's got to do more than just impact the scoreboard. So it's that that sort of two-way game that he'd be looking to develop a bit more. But, um, you know, you talk about Rankin's ability to to do something magic and, and change the game. I thought Brockman, you know, Brock, Brockman is that player for us. Um, and he, we, we don't really have anyone else like him um, with that sort of X factor. So... I would hate to see him go. I think, and I think he's, I think he's really enjoying being in the Hawks again. Ranking? Um, I'm going to give him a five. And finally, Seamus Mitchell. Uh, he had, um, as I call up his stats, he had 15 disposal, 10 and five, kicked a behind. Um, should have been a goal. Six marks, three tackles, 87% disposal efficiency, one turnover, six intercept possessions, two score involvements um just quietly going about his business danny is he i suspect he might be one of your casualties next week but he's shown a bit in his two games 
is a player that we, I was, we all, I've always been excited by Seamus Mitchell from what he, you know, reading his draft profile, he was what they needed a couple of years ago. Um, he has shown a bit. I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, likewise. Um, there's definitely AFL caliber traits there. And I think that that's the thing that recruiters look for when they're um, bringing in players that are slightly more speculative. Um, his pace is AFL standard. His ball use is AFL standard. His ball use at pace is AFL standard. The only thing he really got wrong today was not nailing that goal when he had the the opportunity and gee, it would have brought the house down at Utah's. Um, but what, what I really liked about it is the game was on the line in the last quarter. He had nine of his 15 touches in the last, um, you know, and he was not afraid to um, take on some big pressure kicks. And, um, and look, I'm, I, I have been a Seamus Mitchell fan um, since we drafted him. And I, I kept saying that I, I think there's an AFL player there. And I think he's the last two weeks, he's shown us that give him the opportunity and it's there. So um, I think you're probably right. Ash, I think probably he and Ned Long drop out of the squad. Uh, but these two games for them are incredibly important. Um, they'll learn a lot from that. They'll get a lot from that. And I think, you know, Mackenzie and, and co, the people that make the list management decisions turn around and go, we need to give this guy a new contract and we need to get him back on the main list because there's an AFL footballer there. We just need to be able to give him opportunity. Yeah. And it's another one of those he's the type of player that plays better in an AFL system with a bit more space and the ability to use his skills uh, on wider, bigger grounds than say, you know, no disrespect, Box Hill City Oval and, and smaller VFL grounds. Yeah, I, he, I, I don't think he stays on the side next week with some quality players coming back, but he's shown a bit. Um, he, he'd be pretty close, I think, to getting a contract extension. He's shown just about enough. Um, and finally, uh, for both of you, the coach, how did he go? Uh, how did he go this afternoon? Yeah, well, I think um, the the fact that he's turned it around these last couple of weeks, and we could have been talking about back to back wins very easily, just shows how well he's going. But I think the thing that I'm liking the most at the moment, and you were talking about Seamus Mitchell maybe coming out, a few more players coming in. We've got competition for places now. All of a sudden. Um, and the the form of Box Hill and the form of players like Lockie Bramble and the way that he's gone back and he just I, he was incredible yesterday and he just looked like a player that should not be playing VFL footy and then you've got a few others there that are just knocking on the door. I think there's there's something to be said about the rotations and how he's you know working with Mark McKenzie and and his team to to kind of make sure that there's a lot of competition for spots and that's driving a lot of the, the performances out there. And um, there's a reason why you're seeing that sort of pressure gauge go up because I think these players know that they're playing for their spot every week. I think he um, he did say pre-game that they've identified a couple of ways they think they could trouble the Crows. Clearly, physicality was one of them that Carlton just did not... Carlton could not lay a glove on Adelaide for the first uh, 20 minutes of the game in the gather round. That was exceptional circumstances, but they uh, they realised that this was a way to uh, get you know, the physical side of it. They hadn't really been challenged physically for a few weeks, Adelaide, and uh, it worried them for a long time. And in the end, as we said, it was a bit of brilliance from a couple of experienced players. As much as anything that got them over the line. So now he's coaching well. 
Sam Mitchell. He's got a couple of big decisions to make this week. It's really about six. I mean, I wrote this another observation I've written for the piece that will come out tomorrow is that very unusual for a team that's one and five and bottom of the ladder to have unbelievable selection pressure for spots on the side. I mean, the match committee will be a huge job for them this week. You know, no injuries. Looks like no. I mean, might be straight swap for uh, with. Apart from Lynch going out for concussion, they might have a full list to choose from next week, Hawthorne, which when was the last time Hawthorne had a full list to choose from this early, uh, this stage of the season? I, even back like the Clarkson days, it's it's unheard of to have almost a clean bill of health, which is what they'll have this week. For sure. And I think, you know, not that you, you put everything in, he'd be embarrassed if he heard this, but um, you don't lump everything like that, all the positive stuff at Peter Burgess' feet. But um, there's clearly a new lease on life with these players. They've clearly been told how to look after their bodies, what they need to do to improve. Um, there's a lot of luck that comes with injuries, um, you know, but I don't know. The the list is in great shape for where we are. We look at Adelaide today and Adelaide are probably two years ahead of Hawthorne in terms of their rebuild. Uh, they've got two years worth of extra talent and experience. And they have a few of those older heads like Taylor Walker, um, some great pickups from other clubs like Jordan Dawson. Um, and, you know, and we gave them a, a red hot crack and, and we were right up to our eyeballs in it until the last whistle, uh, last siren, sorry. And, um, yeah, yeah, like like you said, it's a little bit of brilliance from from guys that we don't maybe yet have either on our list or in the team today. So, um, you know, if you have a fully fit Mitch Lewis, maybe the results different. Same as last week. Same with uh, you know an ineligible Will Day playing, and maybe we're looking at these last two games and going, well, we are three and three, and um, do we need to reassess our season? So, um, you know, credit to Mitchell for making the Hawks bring the heat today and credit to his players for um, following through with uh, the instructions given to him. Rob McCartney did tell us pre-season that uh, when we asked him how the team was going to go, he did say that I think he thinks that they will be better in the second half of the season than the first half. And I think at this stage they're on track to be that. Uh, you don't play that well week after week, and don't win games eventually. It doesn't happen in footy. I've seen enough footy to know that if you're putting an effort and application like that over four quarters, the results will eventually turn your way. So it won't be long, although they've got a tough few weeks coming up, but um, there will be another win, I would imagine, before too long. That's been it. We came in a bit over my preferred one hour, but not too bad. We did waffle and ramble a bit towards the end. Um, any last words, Daz and Darren, before we finish up? No, just looking forward to seeing that same effort next week against the Dogs, and it's going to be going to be a cracking game. I'm looking forward to it. It'd be nice to go to the football next week. But, uh, although I had I was a game oh, around so much, so, but though. for a lot of people, will be very happy to go to the football. Never happy to go to Marvel, Ash, but I'll do it. Do it for the jump up. Um, that's been our match review pod. Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, uh, five dollars a month, fifty dollars a year for great. Online Hawthorne content. Um, we will have our match review article up within 24 hours or so of this pod appearing. Spaces back on Thursdays. And while there's no Thursday night football, please join us for that couple of uh, I think your VFL, VFL report might be coming back, Danny, which I'm very excited about. Um, Box Hill going great gun. So there you go. No pressure or anything, but uh, look forward to reading that. Right All right, cool. Um, Good to know. That is it. We'll look forward to chatting you again next time on Hawks Insiders. 
and you haven't heard the Will Die podcast, please do. It is an absolute cracker. And uh, enjoy it. Maybe listen to that on Anzac Day and you've got a bit, bit of extra time on the public holiday. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you again very soon. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.